Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. Welcome, world. One, two, three, and to the folks. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can burst like a bubble. Jason from Grand Nye, uh, you're live here on Facebook Live. How are we doing today? Good, Kevin. How are you? Fantastic. You know, it's, it's really nothing but a G thing. And it's really nothing but G diapers on this episode today. I try. So that's what we want to talk about. So I'm just going to give people a little background about how I was able to meet you. And so to give people some background, uh, my best friend Tucker and I were able to meet up with Jason and his wife, Kim Graham Nye, at their old, is it your old location in Portland, Oregon? Oh, no, it's still very much our location now. That's okay. our U.S. headquarters. Okay, so still live, still live as this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so give people a little uh, background. It was the day after 4th of July. Tucker and I were, you know, rushing to get out of our houses from, you know, the, the previous night celebrating America. We got to the headquarters um, and were able to learn about the incredible journey of G-Diapers. And... It's so fascinating because at that time, I knew little to nothing, literally little to nothing about sustainability. You know, I was given this internship and my job was to go around and interview social entrepreneurs and learn about how they got to where they are, condense their 30 minute videos and down to three minutes, call them shortcuts. But I didn't really know anything about sustainability. And it wasn't until we interviewed you and Kim that we got to learn about how a company can really be successful, but have, you know, sustainable and purposeful principles in them. So I'm going to pass it on to you. And I want you to kind of explain to our audience, well, who is G diapers? What is it? And what's the background story? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, we didn't know much about sustainability either. Um, and we had, uh, we had a circuitous route to the, uh, the C-suite of a diaper company. Um, I, I started out in Japan and uh, as a stockbroker in Tokyo. Um, and my major in, Jap- in university was Japanese. And it was a two or three years of making a lot of money, but no meaning. Um, and so I, I switched out and did a degree at night in education and became a school teacher teaching Japanese back here in Sydney, Australia. And that made a lot of meaning, but no money. <laughs> And this theme started developing. It's like, God, is there a work opportunity where I could make meaning and money? Right. And right around then, I met my, my then girlfriend, now wife, and she was on the same journey. She had gone to Zanzibar. Australia and uh, happened upon a startup that was really successful financially, but pretty meaningless. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we met. Uh, she's from Canada. I'm here from Sydney. And so I showed her around Sydney and we went dating 200 times and wrote a book called Great Dates or a Manic's Guide to Sydney. 
There you go. And that then, yeah, that morphed into an event management business where we organize once in a lifetime events for. hundred times you typically end up with a couple of kids and that was the moment we read the statistic that one disposable diaper takes 500 years to buy right there's a cup of oil in every diaper um you know in the u.s 20 billion diapers get put in landfill every year but they're only used by five percent of the population so that was kind of the epiphany mm. uh found some clever technology in tasmania uh which is the island south of australia uh and we we use that product with our first son who's now 16 and we liked the product so much, it was plastic free. You could home compost the wet ones only, you could flush them. And so we loved it. So we bought the rights to the IP to the rest of the world outside of Australia and New Zealand. We were old, we were like 34, so we weren't kind of young. Um, and we said, yeah, let's do it. And we couldn't get the rights to Australia and New Zealand because the inventor was keen to keep this, these territories. So we got work visas and raised a bit of angel money here and moved to Portland, Oregon because we thought Poland was the green capital of the world, and uh, which I think it is. Right. And uh, we built a brand called G, and G is groovy and green and global and goo-goo and gaga. And we've got a team in Portland. We had manufacturing in the U.S. for a, a great deal of time. We've just shifted that over to uh, China. Um, and then we, we started in retail in the U.S., expanded into the U.K. and Europe, and here we are 14 years later. And here you are two years later after I was able to interview, you know, what's, what's kind of changed, right, yeah. what's, what's kind of changed in those two years, you know, since we last saw you. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we felt we, we relocated back to Australia uh, to get the kids into school in Australia. And um, we have our team in Portland, Oregon, focusing on the G diapers business. And uh, Kim and I uh, sort of went back into the garage and uh, came out with uh, new IP uh, world first plastic-free uh, baby diapers, um, and the focus of that is really moving from a consumer business to a, a service that we call G Cycle, and it's uh, it's a trial we're about to start. We've done one trial here, and we've done a few trials actually. We partner with childcare centres. We sell them these new kinds of plastic-free baby diapers. We collect them each week and then we take them off site and we can commercially compost them and sell the compost. Uh, we can put them through an anaerobic digester. We can do a bunch of things with the back end and actually create a resource out of waste. Right. And it really goes to this product idea of cradle, the cradle product design. And it's really the heart is the circular economy. So, you know, we've had since the industrial age, it's a linear economy. You take, make and waste. You take from the planet. So you extract oil. You make stuff like baby diapers that uses a cup of oil. And then three hours later, that product goes straight back into landfill for 500 years. So that's really not going to work for the no. long term. So a circular economy is where you think carefully about the upstream materials. So we use cornstarch in our product. We, it's used as normal, but then we take it back at the end and we want to monetize that waste. So that's kind of a new thing. And Kim's actually over in London now and uh, trial's getting set up. And um, it's really timely. You know, the EU has just announced a directive that they're phasing out landfill in 12 years' time, and they're introducing extended producer responsibility, which means if, if I sell you a baby diaper, I have to take that baby diaper back and do something with it. And if it's plastic, it's really hard to do anything with it. I mean, as we know through, the, you know, David Attenborough tells us by 2050 there'll be more plastic in the ocean than sea, sea life. Plastic, every piece of plastic ever made will always be here. <laughs> And so by changing out materials and design, 
we've got a product that's really cradle to cradle. It's regenerative. And that's the key thing. Yeah. And so plastics are becoming a they've been yeah. a big issue. And, and <laughs> even this year, it's really starting to pick up. You know, you see the movement yeah. even with the plastic straws. Less people yeah. using plastic straws. Um, but what does that do for your business when more consumers are, are being conscious about what they're buying and how their products are creating an impact in the environment? Yeah, I mean, it's just giving us another string to our bow where we can actually work with childcare centers and they're, they're buying the product and then ultimately want to figure out a way to sell direct to consumer and have a, a collection service right out of a, a family home. And we've partnered with a really clever company in the UK that's developed it's kind of like the Uber app, but for, for, for diapers of all things, where you can oh, just really? order diapers on demand and then you can order, you can you can uh, have the soil diapers collected from your home within like a two-hour window. Yes. And why that's important is that if you have one child in diapers in your household, half your weekly garbage is baby diapers. Really? Well, I mean, yeah. I would never know. I've so never that's had a kid, crazy. So. Don't plan on anytime <laughs> soon either, but... yeah. <laughs> But I mean, what's interesting for us, the real vision here after 14 years, you know, in the US, you know, distribution very much focused on the premium end. You know, you're using materials that aren't as cheap as plastic. And so you end up like a lot of natural organic products, they end up just serving the higher socioeconomic families, which we've never felt comfortable with. We want this product to be available to every single mum and dad in America and globally. So by monetizing the waste, by, by, generating revenue from the compost that we create by selling it at the end we want to bring the price point of these diapers down mm. and and compete very solidly with plastic alternatives yeah and, and is that the biggest issue i know a lot of sustainable companies that we've been able to speak with you know it's really hard to compete when these other companies are making the materials for so cheap and it's not sustainable and the companies that are sustainable have to have a higher price because the products are a little bit more um you know pricey so you're saying that as time goes on, the price will be going down. Um, and how big of an impact will that have on your business? In terms, It's of really significant. Like, you know, we, we've, got a, we've got a sale on at the moment re- leading up to Halloween on the G diapers business. Mm-hmm. And you can just see how price affects consumers, which is fair enough. If you're a parent, you're going to buy 5,000 diapers. And they're, they're not, they're kind of, they're expensive. They can be expensive. And so... We live in a society where cheap, cheap and easy, right. <laughs> cheap and convenient, it wins every time. And so, yeah, a lot of products you see in Whole Foods, um, they're they're expensive. Organic, organic um, ingredients are expensive. Alternative materials to avoid plastic is expensive. So price is massive. And after this pretty long, you know, fourteen years isn't a short period of time. And really looking at the market, what we realized was, boy, if we can you know, if we can do a better job competing on price, and then how do you do that? Um, by monetizing waste at the back end, that's definitely one way of doing it. Um, so that's that's what we're after. And now I'm not even going to attempt to, you know, make you think that I know anything about, you know, the gig economy or anything like that. But you've mentioned that a company in the UK is delivering, is the Uber for delivering diapers to homes. How has the gig economy, so people just being able to be self-employed like Uber, like Postmates, how is that affecting the industry? How is that helping out you know, companies like yours? Yeah, I mean, the company I mentioned in the UK, they, all they've done is just 
well, they've done a great thing. They've developed an app, but they, they we're kind of partnering with them to get them to scale. So they've got they've got access to uh, some electric vehicles, and we're focusing on you know small villages at this point, and they'll scale ultimately. But the gig economy is really interesting, and you know we've got um, we've been looking at China very closely, and China is just a wash in these delivery pickup things because there's no there's nowhere to put waste in a in a in a high rise um, apartment say in China. So you've got all these companies, what not just one or two, but heaps of them that are on demand, pickup delivery waste, obviously the food category, um, and yeah, I think it's really feeding into convenience for parents and you know of all the category of all the different consumers out there parents are exhausted and they're desperate for convenience because they're you know particularly mums early on i mean they're just so sleep deprived so anything that can deliver them convenience is going to be popular mm. so 50 million diapers a day go in the landfills and like kim yes. said on the shortcut is that's 50 million today 50 million tomorrow <laughs> 50 million yesterday it's unsustainable. And that's, and that's America, right? It's just America, and that's just baby diapers. And you've got to think you've got an aging population everywhere, and so the adult diaper category is going to catch up. You know, Japan just reached that that, uh, that crossing point where now in Japan they've, they, they sell more adult diapers in Japan than baby diapers. So, yeah, it's completely unsustainable. Mm. We've got now, to change. Now you're running into – um, you know, the, the purchasing issue. Now, what's one thing that you maybe have ran into internally? Um, and this could have been years ago, but, you know, at least from what I've run into. been into, you know, with my work with um, being a woman's, even a woman's basketball equipment manager, you know, everyone has an internal battle sometimes. And, and sometimes it takes leadership um, to get out of those struggles, to get out of that path that you're heading down. Um, could you kind of tell our audience about a story um, or an example that um, G Diapers maybe faced early on in the stage? Um, and was it ever a struggle or that, was there ever a moment where you figured, you know what, this is just too hard of an area to compete in? Oh, sure. <laughs> it's like a thousand of those. <laughs> um, you know, everything from uh, we had a, we were raising a Series A round of funding and, uh, yeah, we had a we had an investor that we had really gotten to know well, and he uh, he actually tragically passed away the day before funding. Oh no! And we hadn't launched a product. We just we we'd been in the states about a year, and I remember Kim and I looking at each other, going, "Wow, this this journey's over before it even started." And it was only through the amazing graces of an Australian angel investor who we uh, met before we left, and he through an exchange of seven emails because it was the middle of the night over here. That he he came in and saved the day. So yeah, that was mm. one example. Um, other examples, though, yeah, I mean, you know, the two thousand eight recession depression was huge. You know, the the sustainability essentially died in that year. You know, we had Earth Day since nineteen seventy. You had Time Magazine announcing, you know, Hero for the Environment every year. Every every breakfast show, you know, we cold called NBC's Today Show and got on there and. It was huge. And then come the recession, you know, and since that, you know, sustainability is a word. It's kind of kind of died a little bit. And, you know, people associate it with being expensive and not working as well. Um, and uh, that was a huge challenge. And a good example is when, you know, we, you know, we came to the whole business as, you know, with beginner mindset, right? I'm a high school teacher and now I'm going to run a, a diaper company. Right. Um, right. So, you know, 
the business plan, we did the research and said, okay, this is Amazon was still only selling CDs and books, so they weren't even a factor. Mm-hmm. The number one account we had to get into, like if we didn't get into this account, we were not a business, was Babies Are Us. Babies so are ba- Us. Babies Are Us, right? And so That's 90% cool. of all new parents registered their, their, their gift registry was at Babies Are Us. And we said, we've got to get in there. And we got in there and we thought, we're pretty awesome. And then <laughs> over time, as Amazon came in, you know, we knew we were, it was concerning when the Babies Are Us buyer is asking us, well, what should we do about Amazon? And we're like, but wait, your Babies Are Us, don't you know what to do with Amazon? Exactly. Um, and then, you know, we were, it, it got pretty clear that their, their business model wasn't going to uh, be around for much longer. So we had to make a really hard call and actually pull out a Babies Are Us and leave a huge amount of money on the table, um, which we did. And lo and behold, I think uh, this year or late last year, they they went into Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Right. That was a really hard decision. Well, I saw that because uh, when you're growing up, at least people my age, uh, Toys R Us is where it's at, man. That's where I'm getting my GI Joes. That's where I'm getting my my trading cards, my sports cards, whatever. And then when you see something like that, and just like you're saying, Amazon wasn't even a thing. And then you have... Babies are us. Is this is where we're gonna go? And then now you look at it. Chapter eleven filed for bankruptcy. Times are changing. Times are yeah. definitely indeed changing. Yeah. And, and I think, from a leadership standpoint, one of the things is that idea of constantly having to look at the horizon. And if you lose, if you miss a couple of product cycles, or you miss a couple of things. You really get behind really quickly. And you know, for us, you know, the category is really hard. And there's 6,000 patents in it in any one diaper. So Kimberly Clark and Procter & Gamble have patented the category, the product to death since they started the category in 1960. But it's all sort of iterations, right? It's relying on polypropylene, just regular plastic. They've made it lighter, more absorbent, but really protected from an IP standpoint. So to get in there with IP is really hard work, but we've done that. Um, I think what's interesting is... Um, uh, where the world's going. So these new EU laws, you know, the winds of change are blowing, particularly in Europe around plastic and how they're going to manage the waste. And then last week at the Conservative conference in the UK, the British um, Environment Minister said, well, we might be looking at taxing plastic diapers, which is kind of huge, right? But he said, we've got to deal with this waste problem and we might need to do some price signalling and tell parents to use alternatives. So that that's massive and, you know, unexpected. But for us, we've got to be constantly looking. I think the job of founders and CEOs and leaders is to look at, look to the horizon because you can get really stuck in the day-to-day and not realize where the world's going. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and well, if, I know you can go on a site and it has like the world population tracker. Yeah. And you just look at that thing and it just goes. I mean, these babies are just being pumped out. I mean, these human beings, they're just going at it every day. And people and babies and miniature people are coming out. And they all need diapers. Since day one, they all need diapers. And that's why 50 million in the United States alone, United States alone, are going into landfills. Yeah. The coming tsunami is actually Japan, where, uh, Japan, sorry, China. So they've just ended their single child policy and um, they're four times as big as is the US from a population standpoint. And just like India, China is just desperate to join the middle classes and beyond. And so, you know, I look at that and go, well, if we can be a part of a solution that avoids the kind of errors that 
the West has made from this linear take, make, waste economy, if we can drill circular economy principles into some of those markets, then we've done a job. And we actually met with the environment minister from China last uh, this year. And one of the beauties of a controlled economy of a centralized a centralized country where you know the government says stuff and everyone just does it right. is right. if they say we're going to back the circular economy, then it happens. And lo and behold, China since 1998 has been talking about and starting to move in this direction. So they own all the waste management, they own the childcare centres, they own everything. And so working in China could potentially be a big accelerant because you know for us, you know we're working in the UK and Europe and you know things are a little bit you know, regulations don't keep up with reality and all those sorts of things. But yeah, I mean, China, just from a pure birthrate standpoint, um, is is huge. Now, you're a little bit closer to China than we are. Uh, you're not Australia. Just up the road, mate. Just up the just road. Up and the they're road. doing a lot of things um, to make their economy sustainable. Now, at least I've read. Um, and that's all in efforts to compete. And uh, by 2030, with all the talk about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, China is almost the example country to be looking at in terms of what their government are doing to implement these restrictions and, and laws um, to you know, mitigate the um, damage that CO2 has done um, in their country, especially in those big cities where they make you know, New York City look like a, a small you know, country town. Um, so that's interesting. How, yeah. I, I guess another question I would like our, our viewers to know is what's What's China doing for you going forward? I mean, what do you have to look at in China, kind of what you just said, um, to make plans for your business going forward? It's so interesting. Like, I think back when we started and we dropped probably a hundred and something thousand dollars on a website, and which today is ludicrous, um, but it was 2004. And in China, it's like, yeah, not a website, not of this, not of that. It's it's a WeChat. It's it's WeChat. It's it's and you know WeChat is the marriage of um, eBay, PayPal, WeChat. Amazon. Do you know? Yeah, WeChat. We W E Chat. W W E Chat is WeChat. just what drives the economy in China. So you can do everything on this thing. You can pay for stuff through a payment thing. You can buy products, sell products. You can date. There's a bit of Tinder going on in there. Um, you can do all sorts of stuff with WeChat. So when we started talking um, with Chinese partners, that that's that's the path we're going on. We're not building a website. We're just going on WeChat. And they you know, Tmall and Taobao are just massive, and uh, so that's that's what we're doing. Um, and uh, China loves U.S. brands, and uh, I think they're showing a lot more leadership than probably every any other country around those sustainable development goals. Mm. Um, you know, we uh, you see what happens there. I mean, they are the factory of the world, and if they've got dignitaries coming in town, they'll shut down factories in a particular area to kind of mitigate. Um, pollution air pollution just to give it a better look so they they know that isn't sustainable and they're looking for ways and means to do things differently for sure interesting that's really interesting stuff especially you know as a you know young adult you don't care about this stuff i mean this stuff just doesn't affect you but you know when you're running a business like g diapers you know you got to pay attention to these things and so thanks for answering those questions it really you know enlightens me and, and i'm sure our viewers and kind of what's going on in the world and how you know, even tariffs are affecting, you know, businesses like yours um, going forward. But nevertheless, I want you to give more advice to our viewers, more advice to especially young adults, um, people that are entering the workforce and are, you know, 
wanting to align their passions, their skills with the career, you know, wanting to take that step into sustainability, but, you know, aren't really too sure about if they are going to be able to make a living, if they're going to be able to pay their bills, you know, what advice, you know, having been there before, would you give to them, um, you know, to take that next step? Yeah. And I really empathize and recognize that because that's what I did. It's not like I left school and said, okay, let's go and make diapers. Like I I didn't get to this till I was 34. Mm. And I really think that observation that Steve Jobs makes is true, which is as you, you know, as you travel through life, it might feel in the moment when you're in this particular job, well, how does this work? But as you go through life and you listen to your own heart and move and make make decisions as you look back on your life you start connecting the dots and it all starts to make sense so you know for me my early passion was japan and i never could figure out like that's a huge investment of time to get fluent in a in that language and lo and behold like last week um you know i've had my first meetings uh with strategic partners in japan speaking japanese which i haven't done since we started the company 14 years ago um, and there's opportunities up in Japan to talk about what we're doing and sustainability and those sorts of things. Um, so I think if you have a, a North Star of what you want, it's okay not to know exactly how you're going to get there from day one. But as long as you hang on to that North Star and know that's where you really want to head to, then um, just trust that you, you'll get there in the end. But it's re- it's, 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 I, think every, I think human beings are wired to want certainty. And the reality is life is fundamentally uncertain. So the things you can hang on to and make certain, like, you know, you've got a North Star, you've got a personal mission to do something. Um, as long as you're moving towards that, then things tend to work out. So is the first thing they should do is create that North yeah. Star, find out what's important to them and exactly. follow that? Okay. What, what, what sort of a, what dent do you want to leave in the universe? What contribution do you want to make? And I think this is about, you know, your skills and talents. Like you could be a good communicator or a good engineer or a good software developer and, well, how can I do that um, for the for the for the betterment of the planet? And it's funny for us, right? So we we market to parents. So in 2004, we were marketing to ourselves. So we're now 48. So we're Gen X. Well, now we're marketing to Gen Y. We're marketing to millennials. And I millennials get such a hard time. I think I'm not sure if it's just in Australia, but they just get so criticised for you know how they work and whatever. I just think they're they're wired in such a more promising way than I think my generation. And I think they intuitively get um, that bot- companies need to be triple bottom line. Companies need to be B corporations. Companies need to look after people, profit and planet. Whereas in our, you know, when we started, we'd have to bang on about sustainability and this and that. And I look at brands today and it's just embedded. And if it's not embedded, the response from a millennial consumer is what's wrong with you? Right. I have, I have great hope. Yeah, I do too. And it's, it's really fascinating, you know, covering all of this stuff, you know, being a part of this movement and getting to interview companies like yours and to, you know, sustainable bricks, you know, it, it's fun getting to see the movement and it's fun um, seeing millennials and Gen Zers become involved every single day. Um, so yeah. That, and I ask you, what, what are you seeing with real leaders in the community? Is there particular trends or something that you see going forward? The biggest trend for me is the first trend that I asked you about, and that's the, the conscious uh, consumption. You know, right. people, especially my age, are becoming way more aware of their impact of what they're buying. Um, right. So, you know, we, I think we just had a sponsorship deal with uh, Unilever, 
And I had the ability to interview a consultant for Unilever, and he was telling me he's good friends with the founder or the CEO of Unilever right now, and talking to him about why Unilever is making all these changes in their advertising and their marketing in um, their production to you know have the society and the environment in mind. So right. they're making the soap, they're making you know whatever those products are called, <laughs> they're making those. Yeah. How is that going to have an impact? And why are they doing that? Well, because people are caring more. Because people yeah. one day will look back at that company and say, hey, they had it right. And yeah. the biggest thing for him is, I'm doing this for my grandsons, was what he told yeah. that consultant. So the consultant is telling me, you know, these, there are these mega trends going on. They teach them in the business schools. But at the end of the day, it's really tough to get somebody to take that next step and to go into that route. Um, so to answer your question, to wrap that up, uh, conscious consumer trends are the big things that I'm definitely seeing, um, in, in terms of what. That's here. <laughs> definitely. We well, well, I hope it goes further. I keep it, I hope it keeps going. So yeah. by the time I'm a parent, uh, there's going to be, you know, more, uh, G diapers out there, but you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I'm loyal to you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Jason. Hey, well, hey, we appreciate your time. And it's it's eleven thirty there right now in Australia. Nearly breakfast time on Thursday. I got to tell your U.S. listeners the future is bright. Tomorrow is fantastic. I've experienced it. You're gonna have a great day tomorrow. I'm gonna have a great day tomorrow. <laughs> See, that's what we do here, real leaders. We inspire the future by bringing the future to you. That's what we do. That's what we're all about, baby. Go. Cool. All right. Well, that wraps it up here for uh, the Facebook Live with uh, Jason Graham Nye. And how's Kim doing, by the way? She's great. Yep, she's uh, in London, and she's coordinating this trial, and uh, she's great. And uh, kids are missing her, and I'm missing her. But, yeah, everything's pretty good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Good to hear. All right, Jason. Thanks so much, your Kim. time. Great catching up, and best of luck with G-Diapers. Let's, let's Thanks. Keep you guys posted. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Cheers.